Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Before that, something I suppose quite different, you'd be forgiven for not knowing exactly what polyamory is, or that it's a fancy way of describing having sex with a lot of people, but it seems to be more complicated and far more nuanced than that. Jana Zernagalova is a professor of sexuality at New York University and who also teaches an ethical non-monogamy course. Jana, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Is there such a thing, I know it's a relatively new term, but traditional polyamory, how would you describe that? <laughs> We've already gotten to the point of traditional, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> of this very untraditional kind of thing. I suppose there is the general definition of polyamory, which is the uh, interest or the practice of having more than one serious, committed romantic relationships. Right. And is that, say, if it's three people, you know, within that triangle, all are equal to each other, there isn't a primary partner and a kind of a sidekick or anything like that? That can be the case in a throuple or a triad. However, that's one of many, many possible combinations. And there are many different ways in which polyamory can be done. Some people do it in what you described as a non-hierarchical way where there are no primary partners and secondary partners and so on. The majority of people, however, do polyamory in a somewhat hierarchical way where there is some level of hierarchy or, or importance of the different partners. Okay. And, and then within that group, could some of that group have relationships within another group? Of course, of course, yes. So there are closed polyamory Uh, circles or groups and there are open ones the majority tend to be open so you might have two boyfriends but that one of those boyfriends might have another girlfriend or uh, some casual partners on the side and so on so yes most of them will not be in this closed triad or closed quad although some are for sure okay it's a very versatile (laughs) form if you just take the broad definition of polyamory so many different ways of doing it and and so for people listening then jana what's the difference between that and an old-fashioned open relationship? So an open relationship, well, sometimes that term is used as an umbrella term for all kinds of non-monogamous relationships, including polyamory. Mm. However, a more narrow definition of open relationship is one where there is actually only one romantic, committed, serious relationship that is open to more sexual, kind of casual interactions with other people. And that is qualitatively very different from trying to have two or more committed relationships because committed relationships take a lot more time and energy and bandwidth and uh, you know emotional involvement than the more typical open relationship. Right, type. yeah, okay. Uh, so what is solo polyamory? Solo polyamory is, again, an umbrella term that encompasses a number of different ways of not really having a primary partner or not just a primary partner, but not really having a committed, um, romantic, long-term relationship with other people. It's a way of being non-monogamous by having 
one or more different kinds of sexual and to some extent emotional romantic relationships with others, but never really treating any one of them as this primary relationship that is going to evolve into the typical you know, trappings of relationship, if you will, the living mm -hmm. together and um, getting married and having children and sharing finances and buying a house and all of that that we associate with um, sort of long-term relationships. Different people will define it somewhat differently. Some solo poly folks will argue that they absolutely have committed relationships. They just don't rise to that level of uh, primariness, that they are their own primary partner. Mm -hmm. and choose to be their own primary partner. Other solo poly folks will kind of accept that this is uh, a, a form of relationship where they're not really having these serious attachment-based relationships. So there's a difference there as well. The common denominator is that in solo poly, folks consider themselves their own primary partner and don't really have these these typical strings that come with uh, romantic relationships. Yeah. but it, it, I, So what's the difference between that and dating around and that person who is dating around is saying, I'm not looking for anyone special, I'm just dating around? That is often not very different. The difference is in the intentionality and uh, openness and honesty that comes with... Um, doing solo poly versus dating around. In the dating around world, often you might be doing exactly that same thing. However, often it's not really being communicated with the other people and, uh, mm. you know, might not be very clear as to what is happening. Whereas in solo poly, people are very honest and open about it. Um, as I said, some solo poly people might say that the dating around is the more casual version of solo where they're not trying to have, those people are not trying to have a more emotional, committed, ongoing relationships and that that differs from solo poly, which is focused on actually having some ongoing relationships, even if they don't rise to the level of primariness. So uh, there is some overlap and there is some uh, difference between these two. And it's also to some extent a spectrum, right? Exactly what kinds of relationships, how involved different people get with these um, different partners. Gosh, it's very, well, it's complicated, <laughs> uh, but it's also but anybody like, you know, your definition of a committed relationship or a 50% committed relationship might be different to mine. And, you know, that's... That's, true. Yeah. True. It's a complicated relationship landscape out there because yeah. now we have all of these different options that we can choose from, and that can change over time. What we need and want that can change in response to the person or persons that we're with, with our circumstances. And you know, the good news is we have more options than ever. The bad news is it can get a little confusing and complicated. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose, and I'm not trying to diminish the, 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 any titles like solo uh, poly, but, but in a way, if you kind of say I'm this, the person gets at least a good sense of where you're coming from in terms of, uh, uh, of the kind of relationship you might want. Yes, generally speaking, of course, 
just because someone says this is what I am and what I'm looking for, it doesn't mean that emotions won't take their course and complications can still happen. One frequent challenge that solo poly folks run into is that they're aren't that many people out there who are interested in that kind of relationship. Most people who are looking for a relationship are looking for some level of primariness, even if it doesn't have all of the strings that come with relationships, even if it doesn't have living together or, or getting married or having kids, most people do have that need to have a strong primary connection, emotional romantic bond with at least one person, if not more. And so when solo poly people, this relationship format has gotten an incredible amount of media attention lately, and it doesn't really correspond to the number of people who are interested Mm. in doing that for at least extended periods of time. Many people can go through a period in their lives, maybe while they're kind of young, fresh out of college, when they want to be traveling for a while, or people who have just come out of a long relationship and need to be with themselves, you know, not get into something serious. So we can go through phases and some people can go through a solo poly phase, but as a long-term relationship orientation, as something that you want to be in for 10, 20, 50 years, that's actually quite rare because humans have, most humans have a strong need to form these deep lasting Uh, very close bonds with other humans. And so it's often difficult for solo poly folks to find people who want to have that level of involvement and who also can maintain that level of involvement. You know, sometimes you 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 meet someone and you really like them and they're like, I'm solo poly. So there's a limit to how far this can go. And you're like, well, okay, that's not my ideal, but fine. You know, I really like this person. So I'll try to meet them where they're at. But then you date them for a few months or something like that and feelings start to develop and some level of dissatisfaction right starts to pop up and Mm, yeah now you also teach an ethical non-monogamy course what are the kind of ethical challenges that surround that (laughs) there are so many (laughs) because we do non-monogamy and have been doing non-monogamy, which I define as having more than one sexual or romantic partner, however that gets done and negotiated. And humans have been doing non-monogamy since humans have existed. Of course, the majority of non-monogamy that has been happening to humanity, at least until recently, has been in the form of cheating, non-negotiated or non-ethical non-monogamy. And what we've been trying to do over the last 10 years or so as ethical or negotiated non-monogamy has risen to some uh, cultural prominence is to make this not a lying and hiding and cheating kind of endeavor, but to be honest and open about these conversations, even though they are sometimes often difficult conversations to have. Uh, so the ethical, I mean, there are a lot of different components of how you go about making this ethical, but it starts with being honest and open about wanting to have some type of non-monogamous relationship with the people that you're going to be engaging in sex or romance with, then it continues with setting the right kinds of boundaries and agreements that you're going to have with these people and 
managing that in a way that is you know fair to you as well as fair to the other person then the ethical part continues with actually sticking to those boundaries and agreements that have been made continuing to provide the level of disclosure that uh, you have agreed to and then also treating the people other people that you're going to be engaging in sex or romance with with respect and openness and um, you know, all of those aspects mm. of treating someone well yes. so a lot of different layers which is why actually a lot of the non-monogamy activists lately have been saying that using the word ethical non-monogamy to refer to this might not be the best word because mm. even if it's to some extent negotiated as to what we're going to do how we're going to do it there's still many other areas where people could be acting in unethical ways. So it's a bit of a misnomer in that regard. Yeah. Dr. Jana Varangalova is a professor of sexuality at New York University. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.